Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, if we ever wanted to announce to the public that the podcast was going to be no longer, do you think that we could get today.com to write an exclusive about it? If we leaked that information to today or to people or perhaps to E, do you think that they would write up our statement? Hmm. I'm not sure we're at that caliber yet. Um, yet, important word. Important qualifier there, yes, because we're well on our way. I think right now we're at the point where maybe TMZ would just scoop us, you know? Like, we wouldn't get a chance to to get our story out first. Yeah, yeah, TMZ has access to our text chain. Right, well, you and I are known for our very public feuding, um, especially within the, the, the Tipping Pitches Twitter account, usually only over the, the DH. Yeah, pretty much nothing. We got to start drumming up fake feuds about other things. The DH thing is real. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the DH is fake. But we should drum up fake feuds about other things to tweet back and forth at each other from the Tipping Pitches account. People love that shit. You think so? (laughs) No. Uh, Well, so the reason I ask is because A-Rod and J-Lo calling it quits officially as reported exclusively on Today.com. Uh, Here is the statement. We have realized we are better as friends and look forward to remaining so. We will continue to work together and support each other on our shared businesses and projects. We wish the best for each other and one another's children. Out of respect for them, the only other comment we have to say is thank you to everyone who has sent kind words and support. So, if today.com is willing to do an exclusive about Alex Rodriguez, why wouldn't they be willing to do an exclusive about Alex Rodriguez's favorite podcast, Tipping Pitches? You know, you make a you make a fair point there. I think that, like, does do you think that today dot com does reporting on any other podcasts? Like, no. do they have a podcast beat? No. Are they out I, here talking like about nowhere like, what that Joe has a Rogan podcast beat <laughs> except like New York Magazine? I don't. We're. I mean, we're slowly getting to the to the point in our society where podcasters are just celebrities in their own right. Right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some someone on this podcast's boss is at the level of celebrity where their personal exploits may be covered in uh, certain news outlets. Yeah, so I don't your, buy your nonprofit has a very successful podcast that <laughs> exactly, is very popular exactly. and yeah, gets yeah. covered all of the time in today.com. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, this statement and this article and this entire. JLo Arod breakup. I know we we talked about how it, it actually does suck for the kids and the family, and you know we feel for them and have empathy towards them for that. But this whole statement has done nothing but confirm my theory that rich, famous people are never together nor ever separated. They're like, we're right. just going to remain t- as friends and business partners. I'm like, so mm-hmm. what? That's just like that's still kind of like marriage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So now, did you hear the? Uh, That'd be like the- us saying we're breaking up, but also still doing the podcast and texting all the time. Right. <laughs> Were they even in the same city most of the time? I don't know. Yeah, probably not. And their business interests have to be still tied. Because they are tied up. You know, they, yeah, they like own many companies together. Right. Like, is, 
is J-Lo still going to be A-Rod's videographer for his YouTube channel? I don't know. I don't know either. Could could be. So I I don't know if you know, but there was a there's a there's an, another chapter in this story. Oh, bit of a, no. bit of a sh- short chapter. More um, like an epilogue. Right. This is this is the the scene after the credits in the movie. You okay. Know? The stinger. All right, hit me with the stinger. JLo liked a somewhat brutal Instagram post. Ooh. A quote, actually. You ready for this? I will read you the quote. Then you can tell me if this this is a dig at Alex Rodriguez or not. Okay. okay. Was the post from Bronson Arroyo? <laughs> no, if she was if she was liking like Jose Canseco tweets at this point, like that's when you know that's it's a like, serious it's problem. Like, real yeah, exactly. real bad. Uh, the quote Maybe reads not remaining business partners. <laughs> Don't make her think you care when you have never given a fuck about her. Damn. That is the that is the Instagram post. The 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 description of the post reads don't let them manipulate you how many times have you been told i love you by someone who has continued to treat you like shit jennifer lopez likes this photo and then it disappears from her likes mm. after after there's is news broken about maybe it was an accident liking of it. maybe it was an accident cut her some slack come on cut her some slack are you just accidentally like liking posts from all your favorite quote accounts you know well, that's inspirational what I was like, motivational yeah. posts what do people actually follow those accounts I, I know they do but like does j-lo follow accounts like that i mean a pro- i feel like actually celebrities are more likely almost to engage with the sort of like empty motivational quote yeah bullshit than i don't know you or i yeah i'm just engaging with you know Luis roberts instagram fernando right. tatis's instagram <laughs> Uh, okay, well, thus concludes J-Lo and A-Rod, but thus does not conclude us talking about A-Rod on every single episode of this here podcast. Alex, we are going to talk about the Padres-Dodgers series that has captured the baseball internet. We're going to talk about the rule changes in the Atlantic League moving the mound back, as well as welcome Mike Schuber back to the podcast for a short little segment. We are going to do some voicemails and three up, three down, but before we get to all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches, the only podcast whose breakup would get an exclusive coverage in today.com. Our Twitter account is going to miss A-Rod showing up to random events that he has no business being at. Like the that Oscars. That is actually the biggest thing that we are losing. The Grammys. You know, the Met Gala. inauguration <laughs> of the president. <laughs> I already forgot about that. I already forgot. Wow. So, who can we set A-Rod up with so that he can still attend those events? Well, at this point, I mean, he's trying to work his way up into that kind of echelon, right? I mean, like he's now the solo. The, right. right, exactly. He's now the owner of a, an NBA franchise. He is a... Well, yeah, but you know his name. His name's there. It's on the contract. He's uh, put some respect on Mark Lore's name, Alex. Jesus Christ! You know he is a um, a burgeoning investor. That SPAC is, you know, taken off to the moon. Let's go! I think he's burgeoned at this point. He yeah, just bought yes, an NBA he's, team. He's, <laughs> he's doing all right. <laughs> 
But yeah, you know, so, I think I think he wants to I think he wants to get there on his own merits. You but know? it doesn't give him the cultural cachet to get there, and that's what he wants and needs and craves. Clear, right? Clear. Yeah, yeah. No one is like, let's get this fucking investor at our inauguration. Like, I he's getting Except invited. Joe Biden. Like, <laughs> I mean, everybody who has ever think? worked at Goldman Sachs was probably at Joe Biden's inauguration. I feel like he's more likely to get invited to a I don't know a TED talk. Well, so more yeah. likely to be invited oh, to like, no way he do hasn't a done TED a TED talk, talk at this point. <laughs> really? I you think that's below him? I don't. Oh, he hasn't done it. Damn, Ted, what are you doing, bro? It does feel like kind of the obvious match made in heaven, right? Like but he's really he's good at kind of that, out those. Like his podcast is already a TED talk every week. No, that's fair. With Barstool. With the Barstool. Just a little Barstool flavor on the TED Talk. Something everybody has always wanted and asked for. I mean, yeah, to be fair, that's, yeah, his YouTube channel, too, is like, that's really the uncut shit. Like, the, like the, the, the podcast is, at least he has another host, even if they are from Barstool, to kind of, like, balance out some of his bullshit. But yeah, his right. YouTube channel is just the podcast straight into the veins. And the TED Talk are, like, you know, like... 8% THC and the YouTube channel is like 34%. You know, you are right. sinking into the Straight couch watching the that. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you want to talk about Padres Dodgers? Sure, man. I mean, you know, we could go for a half hour on A-Rod's business ventures. I do think an interesting place to start is just how serious this feels already. You know, like on one hand, the Padres announced how seriously they wanted to take this rivalry in this season and attempting to win this division by all of their transactions in the offseason, trading for aces, trading for, you know, Snell and Darvish and extending Tatis and to some extent even dating back further, signing Machado, saying that we want to start to challenge the Dodgers. And I think what's been really cool to watch over the last couple of days, we're recording this on Sunday, so the third game of the series hasn't happened. Dodgers have already taken the first two. You know, as per use, Dodgers are just going to Dodger. Like, they're, they're just going to win 120 games this year. Yeah, the, the Padres are going to like actually show up and it's going to be really fun. It's not going to matter in the end. Nope. No, this, this is what I said when they traded for Darvish. I'm pretty sure what I tweeted was, this is so cool. The Padres are trying harder than any team in this entire decade and they're, you know, printing fans left and right. And then, you know, eight, in eight months, we're going to look back and the Dodgers are going to have won the division by 14 games. So it just is what it is in terms of how good the actual Dodgers are at actual baseball. But from a competitiveness entertainment perspective, I think that it's been really cool to see how seriously the Dodgers have taken this series. Um, you know, last night we got Kershaw talking his shit towards your boy Jerickson Profar. And I think there was a Justin Turner quote before the series started. We're going to have 19 World Series games this year. So it's a level of seriousness that, you know, not to overstate things and to be a, a prisoner of the moment, but like, have we gotten this level of seriousness in an opening series against two? But between two ostensible rivals in their division in a 162 game season, like since we've been doing this podcast, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I think that, <laughs> I mean, I, I think we probably have, but it hasn't felt like this necessarily, right? We have had Astros Yankees games. Right, we have had Rays Yankees games too. Rays Yankees games, exactly. Now the Rays yeah, are spanking the Yankees every time, so it doesn't even matter. Not oh even God, I, not even a rivalry anymore. But I do think that there is something that feels a little bit different in that both of these teams, both of these teams, have 
in the last, you know, 18 months, two years, made huge strides to actually try and make their teams better. One of them was already uh, just an absolute dynasty of sorts, right? If not a dynasty, a powerhouse. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about whether or not the Dodgers are a dynasty. That would be our radio show, actually. We did that. Dynasty? Too strong? (laughs) Coming up next, after this. All right. And then this the, is and the then Meineke the Parker the, dynasty argument. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go now. The, <laughs> the Dodgers are the, I'm, the the Padres are the flip side of that, right? Of like actually putting pushing all their chips in, and and it being fun and it being actually worth it for for us as fans to watch. And especially, I think it feels different because the Dodgers have been largely unchallenged for a few years now in that division. And so does this feel more monumental than two other powerhouse teams like stacking up in the last few years? Maybe not. Maybe not to me. Maybe it is to you. Your mileage could vary as a fan, but it just feels new. Like this is something that we have not had in the last few years. This is a team. These are players in this environment that are just really unique to us. Tatis, like, on the national stage, right? Like, two years ago, we're like, everyone's going to be watching this dude. He's going to be the face of baseball. And, like, here he is. Everyone wants to watch him, right? There's something about it happening on the West Coast. I mean, I know I'm on the West Coast, but the majority of people I know still are back East. And there's something about it happening on the West Coast where it feels, like, weird and and different. Everybody's staying up until 3 a.m. to watch it. and it's extremely well played baseball, but then also sometimes not. You know, game one was well played for long stretches, and then there was a couple serious errors. One by our boy Tatis, and we have we have to swallow that. You know, as like he's going to be the face of baseball, but also he's going to screw up on big stages too because of the way that he plays. And um, game one of this series was just a you know watershed moment for regular season baseball. Like that is what we can point to, and we can say, "Hey, man, you have a product that." Nothing else is quite like this. Nothing else is quite as tense and strange and weird as a game between these two teams trying their fucking asses off and actually kind of seeming like they hate each other already. Uh, This early on into the season, like, it's just, it's different than other sports. And the fact that Joe Musgrove has to come in and play left field and Jay Cronenworth has to come in and pitch. And, but at the end of the day, we all look back and we're like, that was still an amazing game. I think that that's, uh, that's like some 10 out of 10 baseball shit right there. Kind of, kind of would have been nice if the game had kept going, you know. Like, I mean, I know we've we've beaten the the runner on second rule horse to death already. Yeah, but like, there's a part of me like I so I on the East Coast was like I am. This is game is really fun, and I'm also I can't stay up for this. I'm ex- exhausted. You're it's so two, weak now. You are. I know. I am so weak. This is the but, same Alex who, you know, would go to bed at six p.m. to wake up at midnight to watch A's Mariners in Tokyo and now you can't stay up until three to hey, watch I Dodgers still Padres. Would. If it was the A's, I would have done it. My point is like I woke up the next morning and being like, that game was awesome. I wonder how late it went. And I woke up and it was like twenty 12. minutes after you fell asleep. Like, yeah. Damn, really? That's kind of a letdown. Oh the Dodgers scored five and that was the game. Yeah, although, you know, the game didn't end because of the runner on second rule, though. Like, Seager hit a home run, so it would have ended either way. The, the, the Padres did not score it in the bottom half, so it would have ended either way. But point taken, 
Um, you know, from a Padres perspective, I think that they were sort of happy that it ended at the time that it did because they had already brought in position players to pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They literally ran out of pitchers. How does that happen? How does that happen? This is not the playoffs where you're, you know, pulling guys saving, out really yeah, quickly. Saving your guys and yeah. stuff. Like, I don't know. It, it was, that was some wild shit. Um, I'm happy that we get it. I'm happy that we get it after the series is over 16 more times. I'm looking forward to seeing how each individual character in this burgeoning rivalry slots themselves into how it's going to work for the rest of the season, if that makes sense. Like, is Tatis going to just bounce back and completely take over a game and win it on his own? Is Manny Machado going to continue to be, you know, the the weirdly gritty base dealer that he was in game one of this series where he's like making something out of nothing and he feels like a little bit like he's, and this is sort of pasting my own theory onto him, but it feels a little bit like he's trying to stick it to the Dodgers fans and organization who didn't want to sign him back and sort of treated him like he was like lazy and bad at baseball. That's what it feels like watching. And I'm, I'm excited to see how that all unfolds. And of course, Clayton Kershaw still remains a fucking badass. That's kind of what I was going to say is like, Kershaw almost gets overshadowed in some of this because he's the best pitcher of this generation and we all accept that, you know, like not that I think he is on (laughs) trout levels of underratedness because it's a lot easier to properly rate pitchers because they play the whole game and you watch them and it's fun and we all agree. And yet, like when the Dodgers and Padres play, we're all like, wow, there are so many incredible players on the field right now. And also, oh yeah, they're just the, the... just the best pitcher I've watched right there. Just doing his thing. Still shoving. Just, yeah. So let's talk about the Atlantic League moving the mound back. Uh, a couple of years ago, this was an idea that was floated and the Atlantic League said that they were going to try it. And there was a lot of backlash because they had not given the players the proper warning, I guess, the proper time to prepare for this. And at the time, they were thinking about moving it back two feet. Atlantic League is going to be moving the mound back 12 inches this season uh this is probably the biggest rule change that we've had to date um not in baseball history but that we've discussed we've talked about some of the limitations of pickoff moves maybe trying to limit some of the types of shifts that happen but the dimensions of the field and moving the mound back an entire foot is a is a pretty drastic change most people would say it's not totally unfounded um it's been a theory that people have had for a few years now that it's about time to move the mound back. I think like my coworkers, Ben Lindbergh and Michael Bauman were two of the earliest pe- people on this hill. Uh, and there's obviously precedent precedent for it in baseball history. In 1893 was when they moved the mound back to 60 feet, six inches. I think it was previously closer to something like 58. I don't know exactly, but God, they moved can you it, imagine that today? they moved Jesus, 58. They moved it back to can you imagine trying to hit Jacob deGrom from 58 feet. <laughs> Um, effective velocity 120 miles per hour yeah so that's when they moved it back to 60 feet 6 inches 1893 and and then and then in 69 they lowered the mound right so like they've there's clearly like you said precedence for meddling with this sort of thing yeah and i don't even want to say meddling but i i i don't think that it's necessarily you know baseball divinity to say that the mound needs to be this distance or this height you know like no. i think it's a worthwhile thing to ask the question for. Um, Because there are, frequently we get on here and we say, these rule changes are not going to actually address the core of the problem, the root of the problem. But 
moving the mound or lowering the mound has happened multiple times throughout baseball history and it has addressed the problem you know like to the to the extent of like you know going from the dead ball era to the live ball era these are the type of drastic effects that we're talking about so i'm actually intrigued to see what happens here yeah so let's you know talk about like why is this happening this is you look at baseball today and pitchers th- are throwing harder than they ever have before right like where a heater 20 years ago maybe may have been like 93 94 now if you average that you're on the cusp of maybe not having a big league role right like 93 is chump change at this point guys are throwing 96 97 regularly some relievers are hitting 101 102 on the regular some starters are doing that right i want to apologize to kyle hendricks who listens to this podcast and and Zach Granke, who listens to this podcast, and Alex just dissed you for saying yeah, that you can't yeah. hang at 92 or 93. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can, but those guys are are rarities, right? They're unicorns in the game of baseball these days. And it is leading to skyrocketing strikeout rates. It's leading to skyrocketing walk rates because pitchers are maybe less consistent, less good at that kind of nibbling around the edge. Because the harder you throw, the less, the less of an idea you have of where it's going. And skyrocketing <laughs> That's home run That's never rates. been more that, true. So I many know, guys yeah. are just getting up there and throwing gasoline and it. have no idea where it's going. No clue. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, look, I get it, man. I I don't know what the hell I would do with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball coming out of my arm. That shit would go backwards if it could. <laughs> like wee bowling. But, honestly. <laughs> So and and skyrocketing home runs rate home run rates right because the faster the ball goes in the faster it's going to go out so this is going to impact a lot of that because from the batter's perspective maybe the 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 pitcher isn't going to be throwing as or the pitcher is still going to be throwing as hard but there's more space for the ball to slow down and so the the hope here is that. You get fewer strikeouts. You maybe have more balls in play. It's really hard to say that the walk aspect of things, how that changes. I don't know if this impacts that at all, which is like Could fine. make it worse. Um, it's it, harder. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll be harder for at least for a couple of years or you know maybe for a couple months yet to see if pitchers can command the ball as well or whether there's going to be a large adjustment period uh, to the different distance. Because like, you know, this is not as drastic of a change as when you go from Little League to like a full size field, but like shit is hard to make an adjustment when you're throwing it 30% further. So for major league pitchers yeah. who are so tuned up so specifically, a foot actually makes a difference. Yeah, for sure. That that pitch that may have clipped the the bottom of the zone before now it's ends bouncing. up three or four or five inches out of it. Yeah, exactly. This is probably the first time I have looked at a proposed rule change for Major League Baseball. And said, hmm, this could work. Let's see what happens. Hey, not not bad on its face. Which, like, I you know, again, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> I'm really curious. It may not work, and that's fine. But these are the this strikes me as the kind of rule changes that Major League Baseball should actually be exploring rather than the kind of in, incremental things that like change the game as we've known it for 150 years but don't actually do anything to impact the outcome of the game i was talking with a friend the other day and he was like the the seven inning rule thing 
really is really confusing me. How many innings do they play in doubleheaders? Seven innings? Eight innings? And I was like, it says something that you don't know how many innings, how long a baseball game goes on these very like specific instances. It comes to a receptive baseball audience to say, we want to change this in the Atlantic League and see what happens to try and lower the strikeout rate. Because I do think that public sentiment has now flipped and most people are like, there are too many strikeouts. You know, yesterday in the Mets-Rockies game, the seven-inning shortened game, only 27 batters came to the plate. 17 of them struck out. So that's 63% for the, uh, the folks at home not wanting to break out their calculator app. That's really high. That's 15% higher than what pitchers are striking out at this year. So it's obviously only one game and it's the ground pitching and then Diaz pitching. But like, it's in course field, man. Like, the Rockies should be putting the ball in play and they're striking out more than any other team in baseball. So it's, it's like to the point where teams are having a hard time fielding a collective group of guys who can put the ball in play when it would benefit them. Like, the Rockies should be acquiring guys with better contact rates, but there aren't that many guys to acquire with better contact rates because of this, because of the pitchers are getting so good and the stuff is so good. And I'm curious to see how it would, how it would change things. I do think that pitchers are always going to adjust, though. Because if you throw more breaking stuff from a further distance, it's going to move more and it's going to be harder to hit. So there's a chance that this doesn't actually fix anything and it changes what we, what we think about pitching. Like There's a chance that this turns more guys into Lance McCullers types where they're throwing their curveball 50% of the time. Yeah, And I mean, if that's a, the case, a, like, you know, good for pitching ninja, but still bad for contact rates. Right. There will all be unintended consequences. It could lead to guys overexerting themselves, right? Because they still want to overpower those batters, which this is all speculation. So you have you have no idea, but that's the kind of thing that, you know, you open up you open yourself up to injury. So I'm curious though. Like I'm I am actually open-minded about this one. I'm not open-minded about the other rule in the Atlantic League, which is the 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 double hook rule that they're doing. I like it. Of when you take your pitcher out you lose the DH. Seems fair. I would prefer yeah. a rule where you never have a DH. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get that. So, I've I, like we don't have to do a whole DH thing, but like this doesn't do anything. This doesn't actually. It doesn't add any strategy to the game. Why not? Uh, I'm just saying. I don't think like managers are going to start managing based off this rule. Like, if a guy's getting tired, they're going to take him out of the game, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yes, some guys, especially in the playoffs, maybe it leads to you keeping your starter in longer. But I don't know. I think guys are just going to pull guys when they when they want to, and then deal with the consequences. And also, I don't just want to see relievers hitting. That's arguably worse than watching starters hit. <laughs> That's true. I mean, the whole. I don't think that this should or will ever make it to major league baseball so maybe this is a moot argument to even be having but the overwrought dh argument which i am as much of a culprit as anybody becoming a thing every time a pitcher gets a hit or every time a pitcher strikes out and looks bad is exhausting i'm becoming exhausted from it and i'm saying this as much for myself as for anyone else because (laughs) I, i just gotta stop i gotta stop buying in so much to it i don't i don't care Degrom has as many hits on the season as Michael Conforto, but yeah. also that says as much about Jacob Degrom as it does Conforto. <laughs> but also, like at the same time, many pitchers are looking very, very bad swinging at the plate. So, like, 
in my perfect world, and I've said this a million times, pitchers would just just be a little more competitive at the plate. But that's not going to happen. And we've already let the cat out of the bag on Universal DH, and it just seems like it's going that direction. So this halfway rule, I mean, it's cute that they're trying in, in the Atlantic League, but I don't think that it's ever going to come become much. I'm imagining them like introducing this in the American League, where pitchers don't hit at all, and now relievers just have to start hitting Zach Greinke would make a move to the bullpen so that he could get more at bat so that he could hit his 10th home run and get his 10th steal <laughs> so true <laughs> uh okay we're gonna go to our conversation with Mike Subert and uh and when we come back we'll do some voicemails and some three up three down once again joined by Mike Schubert. hi Mike Schubert. hello how's it going it's good. Thank you for joining us again. Thank uh, you for having me again. Mike Schubert was on not that long ago, what, like six weeks ago now, to talk about the Yankees, uh, host of Horse, host of Potterless, host of Meddling Adults, and the host of a new project on its way, hasn't started yet, called Modern Muckraker. Let me read this wonderful tagline because I like it a lot. Answering pop culture questions no one's dared to ask, like, when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? And uh, what subway line? You know, that's what I want to know, too. Right. Got to know. Got to know. Yeah, it's uh, we've got a Kickstarter live. If you're hearing this before April 29th at 10.58 a.m. Eastern time, it's still up. And if we get funded, I will make a podcast called Modern Muckraker. It's going to be a comedic investigative journalism podcast. I'll be hosting. I'll be playing a character who's fully convinced that these questions are actually hard hitting journalism. And then, yeah, with that Spider-Man question, for example, we would we would do intense research. I'd interview highly overqualified people. I'd talk with physicists to get and and like a kinematic equation for web swinging and then try to compare that to problem areas in New York City and then arrive at an exact answer of, yeah, you should take the Express A Monday through Friday after five, something like that. And uh, we have a lot of different questions planned and I'm excited. I really want to make this happen. And if it gets funded, it will happen. And that'll be super fun. You say you'll be playing a character, but I'm genuinely interested in knowing the answer to some of these questions. Oh, you know, yeah, the like I, just yes. Mike Schubert? <laughs> right, yes. No, that's what it is. It's very like Colbert Report-esque, where it's right. just going to be a heightened version of myself. Just, I, the the modern muckraker Mike Schubert just believes that these are actually important questions that, you know, people deserve the truth and society has been, you know, keeping from all of you. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. you're you're going back to report to your editor who's chewing on a big cigar and has a cloud exactly. of smoke around him at all times. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where did this idea come from? Uh, how long has it been in the works? And are there any, can you give us any kind of sneak preview of like any of the ideas that you were like, okay, we actually have to do this other than the Spider-Man one? Right. So I had the idea, I first came up with it like two years ago, and I pitched it to Multitude around that time. And originally, the idea that I came to them was Bad Questions with Mike Schubert, which is basically the same premise, except I was in on the joke and knowing that the questions were ridiculous. But after talking with them, we decided it would be funnier if my character believed that these were actually important questions. So we pitched it around a bit. Nobody bit like nobody bit so we decided to bet on ourselves and uh that's why i am now doing a kickstarter and that's why the announcement video was a shot for shot recreation of bet on it from high school musical 2 <laughs> everyone's favorite baseball movie so <laughs> that's uh that is a baseball, a, ra- a baseball movie it's uh, a baseball movie oh absolutely yeah, yeah. canon mm-hmm. as well as twilight those are the two movies from our middle school 
I don't know when all of us were in middle school or if we were at the same time, but the sort of elementary to middle to high school era that are definitely like canon baseball late, films. Late, like, 2000s tween movies. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Well said. Yes, yes. Certainly a baseball film. I do have a copy of MLB 21 The Show in route, it's going to arrive. I pre-ordered a physical it. Copy. A, physical copy, physical media, mad respect. Well, it was it was the same price to go digital or not. And I was like, well, I guess if I get physical, it'll take up less room on my hard drive. I don't know. So I, I got the physical, and uh, I, I wanted to get the Jackie Robinson version, but they were like, you have to pay nine thousand dollars to have Jackie yeah, Robinson on the cover. And I'm not going to play any of the MLB Diamond, or whatever the hell. I haven't played an MLB the show game since 2006, so it's been it's been quite a minute. But I will be making a pitcher, and he will be Ryan Evans from High School Musical too. So I'm Let's very go. excited for my road to the show with Ryan Evans. <laughs> Can you make him wear all white? I hope I'm going to try to do as many things like, can he wear a cabbie cap instead of a baseball cap? Will they let me do this? Yeah. These are the questions I'm going to learn. Will he be allowed to do like a little pirouette after like following through on his pitch? You know, like how hope, many dance yeah. moves can you incorporate? You would you would hope. I don't know what they've implemented into Road to the Show since the 15 years <laughs> since I've there, last played. There are way more but, celebrations for home runs. So if your okay. pitcher is also a good hitter then you can maybe get something that approximates okay. the pirouette. But I don't know. I, I, I don't think they have like K celebrations, really. Amir Garrett's in, influence has not gone far enough. They should have K celebrations. I do know that the game is very big on trying to make your player an Otani. So I guess I could make him a pitcher plus something else so he can get some sort of dance moves into the mix. So we'll just have to see. But I'm very invested in the future career of Ryan Evans. Yankees, future Yankees legend, obviously. Naturally. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the Yankees because they suck. Oh, Off to a know, tough start. No, that's... Hey, you know, you know, we started one and five in the 2009 season, so it's okay. That's what's <laughs> keeping me afloat as I currently wear a Yankee shirt and my, uh, my hat signed by Minnesota Timberwolves part owner Alex Rodriguez and also hey. baseball player Alex You're Rodriguez. You're wearing a signed A-Rod hat as we do tipping pitches. Man, you know your audience. Got to be on brand. Got to got to bring what I can. I got this out of the closet just for you folks. <laughs> I'm ready for the pod. It's a how crushed were you when Anthony Edwards said he didn't know who Alex Rodriguez was? Crushed. Was I was <laughs> thrilled. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but he said. But in a previous thing, he said he played baseball growing up and he yeah, played right. every position. <laughs> he just said, "I don't give a fuck about all of this nostalgia lore bullshit that comes with baseball." He's just like, like "This I is a man I like the who's game a baseball itself. purist." Exactly. Yeah. yeah I doesn't care about understand. the characters. The first. Don't, I he said, "I play for what's in between the lines, not what happens off." <laughs> Name on the front of the jersey, baby. <laughs> Uh, Mike, so to sort of give Tipping Pitches listeners a preview of what you might be doing over at Modern Muckraker and uh, to just, you know, generally bring awareness to the Kickstarter. And it's an amazing idea that I know Alex and I are both really excited to see what you do with it. Uh, we wanted to do a little mini one, a little mini episode right here on Tipping mm -hmm. Pitches. Here is the question that we came up with. How many Aaron judges would it take to bench press a New York City subway car? I will say you came up with this question. Don't give me any credit. You came up with that, and it was genius. We had come up with a better idea that oh uh, yeah we I think did. That but you're I putting to... you're putting it in the archive for the future. So I did. Yeah, it's there being was, a real there, episode. I I brought up an, a potential idea because you you pitched this of like let's do a baseball themed one on the pod, and I thought of an idea, and I said wait that's too good. <laughs> I gotta save it. It is really funny, but no, I do like this one that you came up with. So yeah, I mean this will kind of give a sense of of what kind of research and thought process will go into the show. So. Initially, the first question I asked was, do we know how much he could bench press? And then 
you found an interview where he says that he can bench 367, but if he really tried and trained, he could do 400 pounds, which I do believe. Uh, oblique uh, TBD, but I, I, it depends on how much an oblique Only in the is involved. <laughs> well, it's also like, so part of the question is, is he just doing this on like a Yankees off day, right? Is he going to like spend six months preparing for this? Or are we just saying right. like Aaron Judge as he exists right here, right now, you know? Right. Yes. In, the, in the interview I, that I did find, which was, which was with our friends over at Baseball Prospectus, it was a Q&A and the interviewer asked, do you think you could get up to 500 pounds? And he said he definitely would need a little more time, but that he could. Right. Allegedly. I'm going to go with the like in-between. That feels like a, a lot. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with the in-between, which is what he believed he could do 400 if he really tried, not necessarily committing his entire life just to trying to bench a subway car. So I was able to look up online how much a subway car weighs, and I found that a standard subway car weighs 85,200 pounds, which That's is a lot more than that so is much. Like, like higher than I would have guessed, partially yeah. because I have no sense of how much things weigh beyond mm-hmm. like myself. So I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, five or six Aaron judges could probably handle that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if you do 85,200 divided by 400, you get you you get that you would need 231.15 Aaron judges. But this isn't good enough because the question is now can 231.15 Aaron judges fit under a subway car? Lined up shoulder because, to shoulder. Right. Right. You got to line it up. So I was able to look it up, and this particular model is 60.2 feet long. So if we look at the average shoulder width, 60.2. Of a human wow. Being, that's like one. That's like a pitcher's mound to home. Oh, look at that. Or Little League, uh, home to first base. Yeah. Just passed. Just so line I, Aaron Judge up on the field uh-huh. all the way to the pitcher's mound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I looked up what is the average shoulder width of a man, uh, and it says that it was 16 inches. So Aaron Judge being an above average human, I decided that could just be 18 inches. I would have to like get the measuring tape out for Aaron Judge. And if we did this on the pod, I would. like I would call up Mr. Judge and I would say, hello, how wide are your shoulders? Like I'd find his suit tailor <laughs> That's or something. That's it, just call, just call find him. Find a way. All right, we got Aaron Judge. Literal right, Aaron yes. Judge on the pod. Hello. All right, 30 it's seconds. My six foot seven how wide are your shoulders? Aaron Judge. <laughs> I get one question. I'm going to make a wish foundation. My one question is just, I want to know how wide your shoulders are. That's my one desire. So if we say that his shoulder width is 18 inches wide, then if we're going shoulder to shoulder, that means only 40 Aaron Judges could fit horizontally. But the subway car is 10 feet wide, so you can then do three full rows of Aaron Judges, but that is still only 120 Aaron Judges. So I don't know if we could do it unless we got really creative with the lattice structure of Aaron Judges underneath the subway car. We'd have to find an optimal crisscrossing of shoulders to where we could get more than just three ro- rows of perfectly horizontal Aaron judges lined up one after the other. I'm I'm almost thinking like a like maybe you have a ring of Aaron judges around mm. the side, like feet out, you know, yeah. and then you yeah, you're lining them space. up underneath. You know, I'm also wondering kind of how much the, the distribution of weight helps a little bit, you know, like have being next to a hundred other Aaron judges, like, is that (laughs) going to make 400 pounds feel like less than 400 pounds? Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Alex explores physics. 
<laughs> well, so if it might not be possible for them to fit underneath to bench press, because that's like, that's like 90 Aaron judges that we're, we need to squeeze in via a right. lattice structure. So if it might not be possible that way, it would seem like we have to set up some kind of simple pulley system with Aaron judges, you know, on the second floor of a building yeah. and also pulling uh-huh. up. And then we got to right. ask Aaron Judge, you know, what do you row, brother? What are you yep. what are you pulling mm-hmm. on the row? What are you deadlifting these days? Can we yes, can we get deadlifting ones on the side? Can we get shoulder shrugging ones just all around the outside of it? C- could we do, is it possible to like if he could squat more than he could bench? Do we get some people squatting? Do we put Aaron Judges under Aaron Judges? Like do we have multiple layers of Aaron's Judge? Aaron to, to push. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you can get, you would have to, I feel like I would have to get a physical model of this and I would have to get a subway car and then multiple, you know, two scale individual Aaron judges in every single major lift pose. And then I would just have to be, you know, origami <laughs> 3D. It's like, I don't know if you guys had the thing on PlayStation 3 where you could like fold up uh, the the like chromosomes or whatever to try to do cancer research for stanford we're, we're basically doing that with, that was uh, not what i was planning <laughs> I, I was nope i was sticking with nba 2k 15 playstation 3 folding at home is what it was called uh one of the more innovative ways that a game companies developed in recent memory it allowed playstation 3 owners to share some of their devices computing power when left on idle yeah i like I, as a high schooler i thought is I this was like, like the solving the coin of like oh protein 2000 protein yeah pretty much folding. so it was protein folding it was basically supposed to be used in research to, to like stanford with protein folding i think could figure out like cancer research and stuff apparently this did help they shut down the program after a couple of years but yeah so you are good mom good. <laughs> so your idea is to take that technology away from stanford and use it for our hypothetical aaron judge lattice right of course naturally well, yeah, we don't I mean, need to help with cancer look, we need to figure out if aaron judge can bench press a subway car <laughs> they stopped it on playstation 3 so let's start it now to determine the ideal format and layout of aaron judges trying to bench press a subway car I support that. Yeah, um, to all of our, to all endeavor. of our, you know, we have a. I'm sure we have a, <laughs> we have a whole cohort of engineers listening, right? Sure, right, Bobby, right. Like, I think you the know, real answer here is that Aaron Judd needs to get his fucking weight up. Come on, yeah, bro, get in the that's weight the room. Real, gosh, four hundred pounds. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> How much do you know about Goodness. cloning technology, Mike? <laughs> not, not a lot, and I'm trying to keep it that way. But you know, maybe, maybe I should look into it since the Yankees have found a way to be disappointingly bad this year and we only do have one Garrett Cole I would love five you could use 230 Aaron judges that's only um 460 obliques to rip through and I was gonna say 162 games this year it's just uh side soreness is is what we're calling (laughs) is what we're calling it now (laughs) it's like it's like when load management first came in the NBA they were like ah it's not rest it's load management the Yankees are like his oblique isn't hurt he's got general side soreness (laughs) We know what you mean. <laughs> just say it. <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's just, everything's just a TBD. Everything's fine. Season's young. Anything can happen. This, you know, the Red Sox are in first place, so clearly the the season is a lie at this point in time. So it's fine. I'm just just waiting. Just holding out. Okay. Well, modern muckraker, Mike. Is there anything that you feel that we have left out, or you want people to know uh, specifically? That you're really excited for for the for this project. 
Yeah, obviously, I I I was being sheepish and quiet about the subjects because that's a reward on the Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter, which I don't think I've said the link yet, so that was bad promoing on my part. I'd be terrible on late night. Uh, If you go to bit.ly slash modern muckraker, that'll take you directly to the Kickstarter. I also set up a redirect for for bit.ly backslash side soreness. (laughs) And it's just the Wikipedia entry for oblique muscle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you go to bit.ly slash modern muckraker, then you can check out the Kickstarter. It's got all information about the podcast, a video of me explaining what's going on with the with the show and stuff like that. But you can learn one of the rewards is you can vote on what topics we cover this season. And then you can also learn exactly what the questions are. And it's not just superhero stuff like Bobby and I had come up with in Twitter DMs that are now, you know, completely confidential. There's things about movies, maybe potentially a baseball movie, uh, but there's movie stuff, TV stuff, music stuff all over. I'm not necessarily limiting myself just to one thing, which is a big reason why I'm doing the show since my main source of success was doing a Harry Potter themed podcast. I'm like, what if I did something that wasn't tied to a incredibly successful franchise to try to prove like I can do it on my own. Um, So yeah, yeah, that's the and then that way, when one also, author has terrible takes about uh, the rights of trans yeah, people man. to exist, it doesn't sort of yeah. knock you into a, a spiral. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's really fun just to see the trajectory of the listens for Potterless just slowly take hits with big events like COVID knocked my downloads way down because people don't commute anymore. And then also when I started getting into spinoff material, it took a little hit. And then you can like distinctly see when J.K. Rowling was back on her bullshit Writes on Twitter. think piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are like, oh, uh, I don't really want to consume Harry Potter content anymore. So yeah, hedging my bets there by not linking to just uh, to just one author. But if you are listening to this either after April 29th or if you just want to learn more about the show, we also have a website. It's modernmuck.com and you can check out more info about the podcast there. But I'm super excited and hopefully it can happen and uh, hopefully the, the season will exist and, and it should be a fun time. Yeah, it looks like you are, I mean, we are recording this on uh, April 16th and you're almost there. of the way funded, which is pretty Mm -hmm. sweet. It is very cool. But I cannot breathe until we get to 100 because the way Kickstarter works is it's all or nothing. So if we get 25,999, you know, it'll be like losing game seven in the ALCS to the Astros because of Gary Sanchez missing a throw home. So, you know. Not that uh, you hold any grudges or anything. No, it's not like I was at that game in Houston. I thought you were going game seven against the Diamondbacks in 2001. Oh, that. Oh, my God. (laughs) So the fact that it was a broken bat makes Mm. it so upsetting. Like, if he didn't break his bat, that would have been a fly out to the outfield. Maybe Mariano Rivera should have considered just striking more people out. I don't know. Greatest reliever of all time can't get a K in that moment. I don't know. Should have just thrown a fastball, not a cutter. Cutter, clearly it cut the bat. What are you doing? Exactly. (laughs) Fastball would have been a pop-up. Good analysis. Uh, If if Modern Muckraker sounds exciting to you like it does to us, go check that out, please. Like we just talked about, they're close to their goal. And more Mike Mm. Schubert podcast projects in the world is a good thing for all listeners. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to to talk about it, but also really to talk about the most pressing issue, the the bench pressing issue of can Aaron Judge lift a subway car? And I don't know if we can make it happen. It's gonna it's and if if there if you ever want to talk about a flaw in his game, I think that's the biggest one. Yeah, you can point to injury stuff, but like can't bench press a car? Yes, Mm. I believe that most uh New York tabloid columnists are saying that he should actually spend more time trying to get bulkier. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds about right. The post could do that. I suppose I can't even lift a subway car. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mike, first time, long time. Uh, got a problem here. It's that the Yankees suck ass right now, but uh, Gary Sanchez is playing well, so I don't know who to direct all my ire towards. Uh, so if you could just help me out, that'd be great. Uh, I'll hang up and uh, I'll just listen. That voice sounds familiar, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who that was. <laughs> uh, he just loved being on the pod so much that he had to call back in. Hey, Mike. I do Hi, think, Mike. I do think uh, it's worth talking about the Yankees for a second. Because he's right. The Yankees suck ass right now. Uh, we talked to Mike on Friday. We recorded that segment ahead of time. And he called on Saturday after the Yankees lost again to the Rays. They obviously have a lot of trouble with the Rays. Um, and I know that you have something to say about Yankees fans and you threw up three downs later, so I won't step on that. But I think that we can all safely say it's just 14 games into 162 games. That is games literally season. what I'm saying, y'all. Come on. Like two weeks. It's been two weeks. It's a very accurate pressure point for Shubes to say that Gary Sanchez is playing well so the Yankees fans don't know what to do with themselves. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've resorted to booing like Aaron Judge. It's it's not good, folks. It's not great. Should we get to our next voicemail? Yes, please. No more Yankees talk. What's up, you guys? Um, I it is it is April twelfth, uh, twenty twenty one. I have listened to your podcast for the first time and thought I would call in. Um, I've followed you guys on Twitter for a second. Um, and finally got around to listening to the podcast and just wanted to let you guys know that you are exactly what I needed. Like the perfect podcast for me, baseball fan, leftist. It's it's totally awesome. And also I wanted you guys to know that the Taylor Swift banter was the perfect crossover between uh, myself, uh, a huge baseball fan, and my girlfriend, who is a huge Taylor Swift fan and doesn't like baseball at all. So um, keep up the amazing work. Keep talking about baseball and anti-capitalism and Taylor Swift as well. So <laughs> you guys are awesome. Crying, crying oh, on the pod that right we, now. That we will. <laughs> we will keep talking about both of those things. Yeah, exactly. All of those things. Um, well, if you listen to this pod, you know that you don't have to tell us twice. That's for sure. Um, man, what just what a sweet voicemail. I, yeah. We're tooting our own horns by playing this one at all a little bit, but it's very nice. And if you like anti-capitalism and Taylor Swift, or if you are like this amazing caller, tell a friend. Tell a friend who also likes anti-capitalism and Taylor Swift. Big facts. We got Taylor takes. Okay, next voicemail. Hello. This isn't really about an owner in particular, but it's just a general grievance about baseball as a whole. I think it's really stupid that baseball coaches are called managers. They're not managing a band. What a stupid name. Can we petition somebody to change that? Anyway, thank you. (laughs) You know... She is not wrong. The fresh, the type of fresh perspective we need more of. So this is a friend of a pod, an actual friend of the pod of ours. And uh, she's not wrong. 
And she's also, I think, not. I mean, she is far from the first person to be somewhat confused at how baseball like delineates its managers and owners and general managers. Like the the lingo does kind of divert from every other sport. So you have a manager, and then you also have a general manager, and then but, you also wait, have coaches. You're not, you're not acknowledging that the general manager does more general things, though, Alex. That is true. They are by and large much like more as opposed to managing. They're managing general generalities. Yeah, you, did, you and this caller didn't consider that. So should we? So is is Bob Melvin the specific manager? I th- <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Steve Cohen is the more general manager, right? <laughs> the really broad general manager. If you think about it, though, you know, from a sort of like pro labor perspective, just kind of suggesting that the 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 manager like doesn't really do that much, and the general manager just like generally does even less. I kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> because CEO, you know, like the branding and the marketing and the PR that has gone into the the title CEO, Chief Executive Officer, and what they actually do and what it actually means has done more to for like pro capitalism than than quite a lot of things in our society. Mm-hmm. You know, like CEOs don't really do that much most of right. the time. It really obscures how much or little they they actually do. Yes. If you if you uh the listener have any insight into the etymology of baseball's uh wow, I am fucking killing it with my fantasy team. Wow. <laughs> I'm keeping all this oh in. Oh my Oh my god! I'm like streaming hitters, just like picking guys who are gonna hit home runs. I'm two for two right now. This Let's is the a full Alex experience. Colin Moran and Kike Hernandez, <clears throat> my fucking guys. Let's go. <clears throat> what team does Colin Moran even play for? Still the Pirates? Yeah. Damn, dude, can. he's kind of raking, raking this year. Low key. Should they trade him yeah. to the Mets? <laughs> Probably. What third baseman can I get on the Mets? I'm out on JD Davis. Goodbye. Who could I trade? Really? I'm, we still, tra- I'm still a fan. That's fine. Uh, That's fine. I don't know, Matt. Matt Chapman. Spoken like someone who be, doesn't. He's gonna be free agent soon. soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you yelled at me last time I suggested that. I know, I know. I'm still in on JD Davis. Spoken exactly like someone who doesn't have to watch him catch pop ups. <laughs> of which he is. He is never certain that he is going to secure it. Every time he catches, he looks at the glove and he's like, "Is the ball in there?" Damn. I wish there was like a position he would play where he didn't have to play defense. He could just. Yeah, but then you rack know, up that exit velocity, baby. E- even if the Mets had the DH, JD Davis would not be the wise person to put there. It'd be Dom because Dom is not a good left fielder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there are bigger fish to fry here. Like the Mets need a third baseman who can also hit. Maybe it's just Luis Guillorme. Okay, Mets talk is over. Mets talk is over. Back to manager talk. Let's just change it to coach. Great call. Great call. Yeah. Yeah, but please let us know if you know where the hell this came from and why baseball was like, we're going to do it different from any other sport. It probably something that happened in like 1881. Knowing baseball, Likely. like it, it clearly did not happen in the 20th century. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, last voicemail for this week. Hello, my name's Andrew. I'm a law student in Chicago, and I'm calling because it's two and a half weeks into the season. And I haven't been able to watch my team for a single game because I'm a Cubs fan living in Chicago. And the Chicago Cubs have their own TV network, 
the Marquee Sports Network. And when I first moved here, they were available to stream anywhere, which is why I signed up for the streaming service I did. But this year, you can only get them through local cable for Fubo TV. What the fuck is Fubo TV? I'm not switching my entire TV plan just to cave to this corporate monopoly. But in the meantime, I'm not able to watch a single Cubs game in Chicago. I can't watch it on my couch because of the dumb corporate monopoly. And I can't watch it live because of the global pandemic. So I just called to rant about that. I love the podcast, and I hope you guys are doing well. Andrew, great call. Great mm-hmm. call. Because what the Andrew, fuck is Fubo TV? What, what the fuck is Fubo TV? Is definitely the pull quote of this podcast. Number one. Number two, love that Andrew called in and did this rant so that we don't have to do it in three up, three down. Because, you know, one of us is going to do it every week in three up, three down. Mm-hmm. Now we can just nix yeah. it, you know? Right. Someone uh, else, someone, we need someone to call in every week to do it for us. You know, it's just like our, it's like the celeb shot of tipping pitches. Yes. A different person, different person each week wow. to rant about, to rant about blackouts. Is this the apex mountain of fratty moments on tipping pitches? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Andrew, Andrew did the long of it. You know, he talked about the corporate monopoly. Here's the short of it. Andrew, just illegally stream it, brother. Just mm-hmm. get some ad blocker plus go to the good, my good friends over at Billa Sport. B-I-L-A sport and find the Cubs games. I mean, there's no, it's not a good answer. Like, it sucks that you that's have to... That's not even really... sponsored. Con- that's not... No sponsored content here we both use and enjoy it. The sponsor is the fact that they've sponsored my ability to watch the Dodgers-Padres game and then talk Arguably about the it. Arguably the reason this, po- this podcast exists. The first 30 minutes of this pod... They sponsored the first 30 minutes of this podcast by letting it exist. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's not a good answer because, like, some people don't feel comfortable doing illegal streams. And I understand that. I didn't do illegal streams for a long time. But at this point, like, I live in the market where two of the most interesting teams in baseball play. I just have to do it. It is a necessary evil. I don't have cable and I'm not going to get it. So, because I already pay, you know, $150 a month for various streaming services, which is more expensive than fucking cable. So, (laughs) you know, Michael Bauman's cable rant aside, you just got to stream it on Bill of Sport. It, or it doesn't have to be Bill Sport. It could be streamed to watch. It could be a various yeah. number of places. Sports, sports surge. You know, we've all we've all got our ways. This is all hypothetical. None of us. We don't stream illegally at all. Neither of no, us. We absolutely don't endorse that. This is all sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Well, this podcast is parody. Completely protected by the parody <laughs> <laughs> parody law exception <laughs> to the libel <laughs> libel and defamation laws. This whole podcast oh is parody. My gosh. Uh, can we uh can we get some three up three down in here? Yeah, you ready for that, Bobby? Let's get some three up three down in here. Let's bang through it because you know, as per usual, we're going a little long. Uh, you go first. You go first, and let's start with up this week. Uh, the first thing up for me this week, and it kind of encompasses a lot of what we've already discussed on this podcast. But it's been a really fun baseball season so far. That seems vague, but like. I just have kind of really enjoyed a lot of the games recently. And in particular, I think a lot of teams that maybe I didn't expect to enjoy, I'm really enjoying watching the Marlins. Yeah. That's that's a baseball team I wasn't I wasn't planning on tuning into many of their games for, but like 
And even though they're not good, they do have oh my fun God. players. J- Jazz Chisholm. Jeremy I, Taché is going to find you. <laughs> Pablo Lopez. Yeah. Like, dude's, dude is Stir pitching. Up king. Stir up king. Pit, absolutely. Pitch, pitching a shutout against the Giants today. We love it. We love to see it. Um, I, you know, we've already mentioned the Dodgers, the Padres. There are, I'm tuning in for Pirates games. Like, yeah. Bobby, help me. What am I doing? We have not even mentioned the no hitter that happened this week. Carlos Rodon. That's actually my first up. So let's talk about that really quickly. Carlos yes. Rodon, uh, you know, Benetti's call of the whole ninth inning was so amazing because mm-hmm. Benetti's is one of the best in the business. And you can tell how much he loves the White Sox. You can tell how much he reveres the sport of baseball in general to rise to that moment where he's talking about Carlos Rodon who has been through you know a couple really terrible injuries in the last couple of years and wasn't sure if he was going to pitch in the big leagues again after being a, a pretty accomplished and pretty solid big league starter and he comes back and he has this unbelievable start where he's throwing a perfect game and you know I, I flirted with putting this in my down this week because it was such a bummer to watch him lose a perfect game by throwing a back foot slider that bounced off the opposing catcher's toe, you know? Literally nicked it it's so like, close. <sighs> and it just sucks so bad to see him lose it on that. Like, that is just crushing. But it's still amazing that he threw a no-no. It's still entirely worth celebrating and appreciating. And he came about as close as you could possibly get. One out in the ninth, hitting someone with a back foot slider. Like, he... he he executed his pitch, you know? That's where you're supposed to throw that pitch. And it just happened to break a little bit too much at the last moment. And um, that's baseball, man. It's fickle. But my first up this week, Carlos Rodon. I love this. I'm really happy for him. I also really liked watching it because it like brought out the, the baseball draft nerd in me, right? Like knowing he was a he was a top three pick in the 2014 draft. I love whenever this stuff happens, like going back. And looking at the draft and seeing who was taken above him, who was taken behind him, that draft stacked. There's some good names in there, right? Like we got Schwarber, Nola is in that first round, Matt Chapman, Tuki Toussaint, Trey Turner. I mean, good draft. Good draft. Fun, fun guys here. So, you know, keep drafting good players, all the baseball teams. Keep, keep on keeping on. Okay. What's next for you? Mm-hmm, do your thing. Uh, next. Just general Joey Votto content. Oh, Dude has come been... on. I have this too. Okay, let's, well, okay. let's share it. Let's do it. Oh, let's share it. We'll do it. I will, um, I will take the, uh, the, the literary approach and reference the article in The Athletic that came out this past week, which these are always fun when it's just like, we talked to a bunch of players about a weird guy in baseball. And like, that's, that's the gist of it. And you know what? They never fail. It's always fun when it's like a guy like Granky. Yeah, there was such a good Granky a- one a couple of years ago. Yeah, this is not the the first Vado one that we've gotten. I don't believe. Um, I will I will link to it in the description. There is plenty about how you know he's gotten really into chess lately, and he's a big Aldous Huxley fan. Sure, you know Brave New World. That's nice, middle <laughs> middle school dystopian. Uh, I'm a big F. Scott subject, Fitzgerald yeah. fan, also. You know, mm-hmm. let's go. What other Fahrenheit four fifty one? Anyone? <laughs> um, however, the, two cities hive stand up. <laughs> uh, I I will read you briefly just the 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 anecdote that many people were sharing. And in case you have not seen it, seen it, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but Joey Votto likes to mop. These are all from 
former teammates of Votto's. Chris Dickerson says, Joey Votto, he loves to mop his house so much to the point where we tried to convince him to make him create an Instagram account called Joey Moppo, and it would just be Joey mopping the floor. Uh, Carlos Guevara says, he'll send me a random video of his music, and there's nobody on the screen, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Dickerson says, he'll send me a random video of him mopping the house while he's listening to Kendrick Lamar. Guevara goes, and there he comes across, doing a little dance and mopping. (laughs) Then he goes off the screen. It's just that. That is all I get. (laughs) Joey Votto, everyone. Sorry, Joey Mappo, everyone. Weirdest (laughs) dude in baseball. Best dude in baseball. I can't keep it together. (laughs) Wow. Joey Votto out here representing for all of us who have ever been janitors in our life, which yeah, on this podcast dude, is just me. I don't know. Have you ever been a janitor? Uh, no, I've never been a janitor. Well, can't say that I have. Joey Votto out here representing for me. But you know what? I do my chores sometimes. So baseball players, they're just like us. Who mops their house? I mean, come on. <laughs> that's a good. I mean, okay, okay. If you're a baseball player, I feel like you probably have a house that's big enough that's worth mopping, right? It's not about like the size of it though. It's like the the surface. Does it get that dirty? Like, what is he doing? Mopping? What is he? My dad? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it kind of sounds like it. Um, what is your Joey Vado Joey Mapo content for us this week? Because I know you've got some up your sleeve. His triple play uh, was the one yeah. that I put on the list. Where, well, first of all, Mets broadcast was saying that they had seen that it was unassisted. And they were like, how does a first baseman turn an unassisted triple play? So yeah. I was like, I don't know if it is unassisted. So I went and I looked it up because I hadn't seen the video yet. I had gotten the MLB plus notification being like, Joey Botto triple play alert. And I was like, cool. And I went and I watched it. And of course, he catches a liner, steps on first base to double up the guy who had a lead there. And then there was a man on third at the time who left with the crack of the bat for some reason with no outs. <laughs> and... He's on a line drive. Come on. Come on. Come Good on. Fundies, fundies, baby. Come on, fundies. And he, the runner on third had already crossed home plate and he was like running back into the dugout. Didn't realize that Vado had caught it. And Vado, instead of just throwing the ball over to third base, it could have been unassisted if he had walked over there and stepped on I third. Know, that would have been I cool. Know. He should have done that. But Vado being Vado, instead of just tossing it over to third base, <laughs> he yelled to the runner who I don't even know who it was who was running, but he yelled towards the runner and he was like, get back. Get back. You got to go back. And he's like, you can see him like motioning towards the rudder as the runner is like running back into the dugout and not even watching him. And um, just being, just being Vado, just being Mapo, you know, just mm-hmm. making a cute moment out of things and a silly moment out of a, a baseball play. You know, he's done this over the years where he'll like crack jokes to people who are on first base. He stepped on the paper airplane that someone threw onto the field. He stomped on it. He always fakes throwing the ball to people in the stands. Like he's just a funny anti-hero on the baseball field. And we're all better for having him in our lives. I hope that he hits better than 232 this year. God. Hey, you know what? He gets on base. He gets on base. I don't care about what he hits. Because he gets on base. (laughs) Except he's not getting on base this year. He's getting 283 OBP. Okay, let's move on. What's third on your list this week for up? Oh, third on my list. We are in week three of Republicans melting down over the All-Star game. Last week, we Days since a Republican melted down over the All-Star game. (laughs) Zero. Zero. (laughs) Last week, uh, we discussed the potential for the revocation of, well, Colin Moran just one yard. 
Oh my god. <laughs> I'm leaving all of this in, by the way, because this is the true Alex experience. You know, it's listeners just me getting MLB home run alerts. Yeah, but listeners listeners could probably tell who's on your fantasy team just by the guys who you are excited that they're playing well. It is You're the, like the baseball is so fun. For, you know, yeah. I love Pablo Lopez randomly. Pablo Lopez. Yeah, yeah he's JT on your Brubaker. fantasy team. That's I, why we I'm know watching he's on, the Pirates. Yeah, you're tweeting about JT Brubaker. Okay, cool, Alex. We All know right, he's good at baseball. We know that Brubaker and Lopez are on your fantasy teams. Just admit it. It's okay. Yeah. This they is are. a fantasy baseball podcast now. <laughs> now ESPN suddenly wants to give us a million dollar contract. Okay. Last week we discussed the the potential revocation of MLB's antitrust immunity. This week, it is reparations, folks. Reparations for the small businesses of Georgia who will not get to reap the economic benefits of Major League Baseball hosting their all-star game there. Representative Buddy Carter of Georgia authored some legislation this past week called the Community Protection in Sports Act. It basically says Major League Baseball should be on the hook. For, for paying localities, vendors, and businesses in the aftermath of the, quote, purely political decision to move the game out of Georgia. It would set up a legal avenue for businesses and localities to file civil lawsuits against the MLB to seek damages for potential lost, uh, lost uh, money, lost dollars. Um, this is great. Love this. Super fun. Really normal one. The best part about this really is that it's going to force Major League Baseball to reveal the quiet part of this whole thing, which is that the All-Star game actually doesn't do that much in terms of the economy. Obviously not. (laughs) It's not not bringing hundreds of millions of dollars to the state or the city. What does MLB purport actually happens when the All-Star game is in a city? That like a million people fly in and they're like, suddenly I want to go to this sandwich shop that I've never heard of. I mean, yes, that's effectively what they're saying, right? Is that more people are coming in. You can capitalize off the All-Star game being there. More people in the area. They're going to want to buy you know, merch. The type of person flying in for the All-Star game is going to like Denny's. Or like Waffle Riddle. House. Or, you know, like they're like, oh, I'm in Georgia. Time to go to Waffle House. It's like, that's not actually helping the community. <laughs> yeah. I, like, oh, I'll go to Subway after the game. These novelty events largely do nothing to help the local economy. Occasionally, they have a negative impact. I mean, this is just kind of the the general impact of, of sports on local communities is probably ultimately do more more harm than good much of the time. But, you know, this would be fun because it would force Major League Baseball to say that and say, actually, guys, we don't have any money to give you. Although, in theory, like, it's the type of thing that I wish it would help the local communities. Like, I wish MLB... And I don't think that MLB has never done something like this, but to say, like, hey, we're doing an all-star game, you know, you local restaurant X come to, like, an event and, like, cater it, you know? But... I don't I don't know that that actually happens. Or yeah. if it does, I don't know if it helps like enough people to where I I would consider it like helping the community. It might help like a one-off business in the community, but like I don't know if it really has like this big economic boon. Although right. You know, there has been convincing evidence that like LeBron James being on the Cavs helped Cleveland's economy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, that's fair. But there are there are exceptions, but 
I think in this and instance, I, also, I like, mean, the Republicans, the Republican lawmakers are, you know, so far up their own ass that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're like proposing very radical left regis- legislation. Yeah, yeah, literally, like the 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 guy called it reparations. Reparations. Can I say something oh, about we're that big, really quickly? Big on, big on reparations yeah. these days, huh? What a slap in the face of the actual concept of reparations that has been raised mm-hmm. politically for decades and decades by yeah the black community. Yeah, we don't have just, to, like, we don't even have time to get into that. No, we're not going to unpack that. But like you know, fuck this guy. Uh, all right. Uh, what's your uh, what's your last up for you this week? Last up for me is this: the idea of watching a game that it feels like everybody else is watching at the same time. Uh, nice. The sort of like water cooler game, or you know, just a a game that is unifying to baseball Twitter or baseball fans or whatever. Um, I feel like we're getting more of that um and maybe part of that is just like we're engaging with it a little more uh and the Padres Dodgers series is this weekend that we're recording this and there's been a couple good Sunday night baseball games namely the Otani against the White Sox game but it's not something totally unique uh but it but it is something that every time it rolls around it's it's uniquely exciting to me to to be able to participate in that and to feel like while there are millions and millions of games going, it feels like sometimes uh, one game can kind of capture the collective attention. That's what's cool about playoff baseball. And when that sneaks into the regular season, I think that that's like a really rewarding experience as a fan. Well put. I don't have a lot to add to that. That's It was really fun tuning into Twitter and just being like, everyone's talking Dodgers Padres right now. Except for the, the, the people who are talking... Uh, Astros Mariners because they walked it off against it, right? Like <laughs> it's it's cool watching everyone coalesce around one game, and then it is also awesome when your timeline is like split like down the middle. In like half the people are talking about one game, half the people are talking about the other game, and you just get to reap the rewards of both. And all the highlights are there, packaged for you. I do think it's funny when like ninety eight percent of people are talking about Dodgers Padres, for example, and then one dude is like. That that pitch was three feet outside to Mitch Haniger, and I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah, yeah. No, I it was. Uh, <laughs> it just makes it you realize how ridiculous like, it is to like be posting at all about baseball. You know? Yeah, I mean, there were like I I think there were three different text chains that that you were involved in that were blowing up my phone about Dodgers Padres, and I'm sitting there watching like Zach Greinke pitch and just be like this fucking weirdo. <laughs> I'm like, cool. <laughs> Yeah, part of that is that I can't, I have a hard time split screening when I'm watching the Dodgers because I'm just having to stream it illegally. So it's like, take, I'm on a different website taking up my whole computer screen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when I'm watching the Dodgers I or the Angels, like that's usually, unfortunately, the only game I can watch at once. So you have the benefit of being able to split screen it on MLB TV and I, I can't. Um, okay, let's go to down. Let's fly through this because we are not flying currently flying through this segment like we said we were going to. What's down for you this week? First down for me, uh, betting in baseball. It's here. It's worse than ever. Um, it's just getting started. Uh, there are now multiple instances I can think of off the top of my head in the last week or two where the, the betting side of baseball made its way into the actual coverage of the game, whether it is in a game recap whether it is in the context of a highlight of a game, I just it's like I I don't care if you want to bet on baseball. That's that's fine. Sports betting is a thing. It has existed for a long time, and you could argue that 
betting in baseball is probably overdue at at this point because MLB has been talking out both sides of its mouth for for a while at this point. So might as well just codify it. But the fact that is making its entry into ballparks themselves, the fact that it is actually weaving its way into the conversation around games is just, it's not fun for me. And it's going to suck a lot of the joy out of the game because I'm not interested in the line in the over in the over under in this game and whether someone beat the spread i don't know what the spread is but if they beat it i certainly don't care that's that's kind of it i'm not going to go longer on that i if you bet on baseball that's that's cool that's awesome i hope you make a ton of money but i just don't i don't care you don't care uh i or or bet i don't bet like i don't uh, whatever uh, uh, Lauren Walker made a really good point about this on batting around. I think last week's episode or two weeks ago. Uh, it's like a it's like a pretty serious sea change that is mm-hmm. happening right now. Like, you know, betting addictions are real. Like, just ingratiating this into MLB ballparks and the MLB fan experience is sort of a sl- slippery slope. Not to be like slippery slope argument guy, but it, it kind of is. And um, the ease with which it's encroaching onto regular baseball coverage is slightly alarming and um yeah i would recommend that you go listen to that podcast batting around in general and also just because we're gonna go on it tomorrow and we're gonna be (laughs) on the next episode so if you want to hear us pop on over there um please do go subscribe to batting around it's a very good baseball podcast uh my first down this week is the at mlb account tweeting about tyler glasnow's cleats Without the context of why he is wearing those specific cleats and where the money for the auction of those cleats is going to go to after the game. Uh, Basically, Tyler Glasnow uh, had some custom-designed cleats from Stadium Kicks and more than baseball, and he wore them during his start yesterday against the Yankees, and he was going to auction auction them off, donate it to more than baseball so that more than baseball can then funnel money back to minor leaguers who need the money because the very clubs that Tyler Glasnow is playing for and playing against uh, don't pay their minor leaguers well enough to like eat and afford housing and you know be economically comfortable to the point where they can actually invest the proper amount of time towards training and becoming a big league ball player so there's just a level of dissonance there that frankly makes me queasy they're engaging with this they're engaging with the concept of players needing to go rogue in order to get money back to minor league players without it actually being like a formal union action but clearly there's like a wink and a nod from major league baseball players auctioning off their major league baseball equipment to then give it the money back to the minor leaguers who are not getting paid well enough like there is there's a labor element to that that major league baseball players know that they're engaging with and MLB is just like weirdly dissonantly engaging with it, but not not co-signing it, not acknowledging it. It's just it just makes me really cynical about how MLB operates and is willing to like show their ass like this because they know that there's not really a lot that people can do about it, or they're like people won't even notice for the most part because they just tweet Tyler Glasnow's cleats fire emoji. That's just fucking dumb. Like just don't do that. That's dumb. Don't tweet about his cleats if he's auctioning them off to more than baseball or say that he's auctioning them off to more than baseball, which you can't say because then you're going to get fired. So stop tweeting about it. 
that's all I have to say about that. And now that we're talking about more than baseball, I will say also that we are appearing on more than baseball's podcast, The Grind, which you can find in a myriad of places. We'll be tweeting out the link to that podcast when we appear on there on Tuesday. We already taped that a couple of weeks ago. It's a really good conversation just about this very thing, like about what's going on in the minor leagues and and how we feel about it and how much it's changed since we started talking about it. Um, we really like those guys, uh, Jeremy Wolf and Chase Darno. So go check that out too. Uh, what is next down for you this week, Alex? Uh, the way that replay review works. We, guys, we, we got to shut down replay review until we, we figure out what's going turn on. Turn it off and turn it back on again. Honestly. I, I, this is another thing where we, we, we really don't need to like, dive into it because it will result in you and I both just yelling about it. And I, We discussed it last week, too. But... It is becoming more and more clear that replay review is not addressing the the very things that, in theory, it should be preventing against, and that that's that's kind of it. We can all kind of agree, and I, this is in reference to Alec Bohm and his play at the plate. Which happened like uh, hours after we recorded past, last which week. Which literally, like, yeah. I mean, this we is had already we're discussed way how bad, late on this news We cycle. had already discussed how bad replay review was this early on in the season because of the Conforto hit by pitch. And then people were like, why didn't you mention Alec Pope? And I was like, because it happened after we recorded the podcast. This is the, the one time that the one time that we can't talk about a thing happening is Sunday night. So if it happens on Sunday night, it's not going to be on this podcast. Yep. Sorry. I So I, this will mirror the conversation we had last week. But... If if there are plays in which everyone can see that that the call was made incorrectly and replay review is not addressing that because it's outside the realm of what it's supposed to address, or there are rules in place that say, well, we couldn't say definitively that he he wasn't that, that it wasn't the wrong call and be you know. Technically speaking, because the umpires, they're the ex- experts, even though we see that there's they were wrong, we don't know what the right one is. So it's you know, really, we're just kind of like throwing our hands up in the air. to my brain right now. <laughs> well, that's what it's like watching <laughs> replay review for me. So, yeah. Uh, cosine. Okay, next down for me is very quick one. I don't like that Ar- Nolan Arenado's on the Cardinals. Don't like it. think it sucks. Don't want to root for him because of it. Still one of my favorite players in baseball, but it feels wrong. Looks great in the uniforms. Hate that he's normalizing the fucking Cardinals. Don't like it. Get it out of here. Yeah, we don't need to normalize the Cardinals. Do not. This is not normal. The Cardinals being fun (laughs) is not normal. (laughs) What's next down for you? The last thing down for me, you mentioned it earlier. The Yankees are bad. Somehow the Yankees fans are even worse. As always, uh, they were playing the Rays this past week, and in the middle of a Clint Fraser at bat, for no apparent reason, it was like two zero, and it's not like there was a bad pitch or anything like that. But the Yankees were losing, and so the fans just started chucking shit on the field because, like, why not? You know, that's I mean, you got I, shit. That's why you get, I you're pay holding seventy dollars. You're holding items. What are you gonna do with them besides throw them on the yeah. field? Yeah, it's a baseball game. Why wouldn't I throw a baseball onto the field? I mean, they want to play, I, right? Can, 
Can you imagine like going to a basketball game and people throwing like basketballs onto the court? I actually think that would be maybe more entertaining than baseballs because baseballs yeah. are more likely to actually like even if it wasn't a Warriors someone. game, Steph Curry would somehow run onto the court, catch it, and shoot it from wherever he caught right. it and Ex- make it. it yes, exactly. <laughs> I just this is just like this is clown behavior, guys. Come on. Oh yeah, like we said, that's a clown question, bro. Clown. Clowning. We haven't mentioned Bryce Harper's name like once on this podcast. Precipitous decline. He's having, he's having a good year too. He's a good so, baseball like, player. He's just not interesting yeah. to me anymore. Yeah. I mean, once he started sad. engaging with weird QAnon charities, it's like, eh, I'm just going <laughs> to stop talking about him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What? Anyway, guys, do do better. Do better. Oh my God. You got him. You got him. <laughs> They're so owned right now. <laughs> they really are. Two Yankees fans are going to hear this, and they're totally not going to throw any baseballs on the field anymore. Uh-huh. Hearts and minds, Alex. Okay, last down for me is Jackie Robinson Day passed this past week. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that we've had this exact conversation all four years we've been doing this podcast, and Jackie Robinson Day has rolled around. I actually think only three Jackie Robinson Days have rolled around um, because we started this podcast in late July in 2017. But alas, it's all the same. Same story, different day. They do the same thing every year. They engage with Jackie Robinson. Like he uh, had this perfect experience of breaking the color barrier in a very uh, streamlined and amazing way. And it was this historical event that we should all remember and champion and clap and wear 42 and everything was all good. And it just wasn't that way. And MLB has never acknowledged that it was that way. And it's bullshit that they just continue to act like one, they have the right to celebrate this experience and champion it as some beautiful thing that happened and not actually do anything about it, especially given MLB's stated desire to make change in the racial climate of this country. They're not willing to engage with their relationship with police. They're not willing to engage with their relationship towards the decline of black baseball players. They're not willing to engage with Jackie Robinson's actual lived experience as outlined in an amazing piece written by our friend Shakia Taylor, Dear Jackie. I just... If it's not going to change now, I just don't know when it's going to change. And that's not to say that Jackie Robinson Day shouldn't happen. And it's not to say that baseball players who are posting that day about how much Jackie Robinson inspired them shouldn't continue to do that. I'm just saying from a league perspective, from that side of the from that side of the industry, they just gotta do better. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. And I'm pretty sure you can go back a year and listen to us have this exact same conversation last year. And that's the frustrating part of it. Yeah. It's it, it it rings especially hollow when you kind of look at a lot of the the one off actions that MLB has taken over the last year plus, whether it's in reaction to um, a lot of the, the national uprisings last summer in June in response to uh, George Floyd's death, whether it is with the pulling out of Georgia because they care about voting rights, one would think or hope that they would be interested in engaging with a player who had a lot of really intelligent things to say on a lot of topics that relate to these at the height of the civil rights movement. And the fact that that part of his identity is frankly whitewashed his and, and many other sanitized. players, right? I've, it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating. 
So I think back though. I do think back though. Because I don't know what I want MLB to do. I just know that it's not this. But then again, I think back to our conversation with Clinton Yates and he was like, but you might not want to, you might not want to hear what they have to say, honestly, mm-hmm. like from their heart. And I think about that a lot. Yeah. And I don't know what to do about that. But that's why it's on my down this week. And that's why we're talking it through. Okay, Bobby. What a pod. We got through a lot. A long one. A long one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I mentioned we're going on the grind with more than baseball. We're going to be on batting around. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for those two appearances. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of tipping pitches. Uh, if you enjoyed it, if you're new, just go ahead and recommend it to one or two people. That's all we're asking. Recommend it to one or two people. See if they like it. We would really appreciate it. It's, it's really, you know, as I mentioned in my up this week about like water cooler games, everybody engaging with the same thing. It's really fun to be able to do this podcast and talk about the shit that we love and hear that people also like, these things and derive joy from engaging with us about them. So recommend it to one or two people leave a review. If you're feeling so inclined uh, and also be sure to check out the links in the description to both the pieces that we referenced in this podcast, the Joey Votto piece and Shakia's dear Jackie. And then also to Mike Schubert's Kickstarter uh, because his podcast is a really cool idea and we want to do everything we can to help Mike because we think that he makes great shows so yeah anything else alex that we need to tell the people 785-422-5881 if you want to call in and be part of the open season segment yeah that's all i was going to add you know as you heard one of our listeners say in open season we got plenty of buckets for new listeners to fall in we are a big tent podcast baseball anti-capitalism taylor swift make sure you subscribe you before know the it. next we taylor's version album comes out you know you got to get those takes absolutely that's all I got this week thank you for listening everyone we'll talk to you next week hello everybody Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez tipping pitches this is the one that I love the most so we'll see you next week See ya!